be my own man, sustain my own crops, maintain my own plot. Greetings, family. My name is uh, Brother Kima. My name is Mark White. And we want to welcome you to the Red All Masterclass series, a series of uh, lectures, of online podcasts to share information with the community about health, wellness, diet, and environment. We're simply seeking to inspire our community to retire and to do better for ourselves, to uh, go beyond where we've been before, to create the type of community that we would like to see as opposed to the type that's being imposed upon us. Let's be masters, let's ascend, and get to a better place. The Honorable Charles Eskew Fleming was recommended for nomination for the position of U.S. District Judge for the Northern District of Ohio by U.S. Senators Zero Brown and Rob Portman on July 2, 2021. He was later nominated for the position by President Joseph Biden on September 30, 2021. He was confirmed by the U.S. Senate on February 1st, 2022. He was engaged in civil practice as an associate attorney with the Forbes, Forbes and Associates Law Firm in Cleveland, Ohio from 1990 to 1991. He received his Juris Doctorate from Case Western Reserve University Law School in 1990 and his bachelor's degree in business administration from Kent State University in 1986. He is an avid cook and has received several awards for his cooking skills. Good morning, Judge Fleming. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. Welcome to Riddle's Masterclass. Oh, uh, my name is Kim Foreman. I'm the CEO of Environmental Health Watch in Cleveland, Ohio, and a proud partner, Riddle, and board member. And it's an honor to interview you today and hear what you have to say. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So reading your bio, you have accomplished a lot and have achieved a lot. And I also understand that you're a legacy judge. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, you know, growing up, I was beset on all sides by the law and by public servants. Uh, my mother was an educator with the Cleveland School Board who ultimately um, rose to the level of director of English language arts for the school board. Um, and my father was a lawyer who ultimately became a judge in the Cleveland Municipal Court. And my sister uh, is, a, is a lawyer who became an administrative law judge for the state of Texas. So it's not hard to understand that at some point I became interested in public service, the law, and ultimately becoming a judge. Wow, that's amazing. So. I know you've heard and seen many things. I'd like to hear more about that. And what has been the area in your career that's most impacted you? Helping people, giving people a voice uh, that might otherwise not have a voice. That's what I did in my previous position as an assistant federal defender for the Northern District of Ohio. I did federal criminal defense. And I, I'd have to say that the case that impacted me the most uh, was when I represented a woman, she was an elderly woman. Unfortunately, back in about 1977, she had basically stole her deceased mother-in-law's identity and began receiving her social security benefits and retirement benefits after she had died. 
that went on, it was not discovered that she had done that for about 30 years. Um, by the time she was found out, um, she, it, it, she had amassed about $350,000 in those payments. So she was looking at a lot of time in federal jail. She was charged, of course, with a federal crime. The problem was that by that time, Providence had caught up with her because she was very sick. She had cancer that had metastasized. She had just about every ailment you could think of, diabetes. Um, she had a stroke. She, I mean, just everything you could think of. I did a sentencing memorandum in her case and listed out for the judge because I was trying to get her a lenient sentence uh, and keep her from going to jail. And I listed out in, in single, like in a single column, her medications and it took up a page and a half. And, um, but anyway, at our first sentencing hearing, the judge met with counsel and he said, Mr. Fleming, I got your sentencing memorandum and I appreciate what you're saying. And I know it's kind of hard to do this, but I'm sending her to jail because she took all this money and, uh, she's got a pay. She's got a bad criminal history. And so <clears throat> something unusual happened because the, the probation officer said to the judge, well, judge because she's going to jail, we, we've already checked with the Bureau of Prisons and we know where she's going. She's going to this place in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, I said, well, judge, if you're gonna put her in jail and you go send her to this place, let me check out the place and just make sure that it's a good place for her. They said it was the only full service hospital for women in the federal criminal justice system. So I said, let us check it out at least and make sure it's okay. He said, okay. Well, the, the name of the place was Carswell. And we, our investigation um, uncovered a whole bunch of bad stuff about this place. They had had a warden, a guard, a doctor, and a chaplain who had been convicted of assaulting women, like sexually assaulting women at the prison. They had, at one point, they had a surprise inspection and they found a woman in the um, hospital area on a gurney with ants all over. They had another woman, there was, a, there was a pending litigation going on because there was another woman who had been strapped to a gurney and died under mysterious circumstances. And so we amassed all these articles about all this stuff and I did a supplemental sentencing memorandum to the judge basically saying, don't, please don't put her in jail. So when we came back, this time the judge didn't look at me. The judge looked at the prosecutor and said, I don't care whether you appeal what I'm gonna do or not. If she's going to this prison, I'm not putting her in jail. And he put her on probation. Wow. Um, and she was facing about five years in jail. Um, she died within a year of the judge sentencing her to probation. And to this day, her family will call me just to reach out. And they thank me for, for allowing them to spend that last year yeah. of her life with them as opposed to incarcerated Carswell or elsewhere. So that the... The impact that that had on the family, um, it impacted me the same way, just to know that I was able to do something so meaningful for them. Oh my goodness, that's great. So I know there's a lot of talk in the nation about criminal justice reform mm -hmm. and uh, racial justice and bias. What, are, what is your thoughts on that? Well, I, I just think it's important for every judge to handle their matters, the matters that come before them without fear or favor. You know, we can't look at um, the situations in front of us with an agenda. Um, we can't 
look at the situations in front of us and and want to um, make an impact because of race, mm. because that often goes the wrong way. Um, we have to look at the law and we have to look at the situation and the facts in front of us and just simply try to make a fair decision. And anybody who's paying attention understands that race has had such a severe impact on the criminal justice system. And it still does. Um, and it probably will for some time to come. Uh, but as, as a judge, I think at the bottom line, it's our job to do some good and to do everything that we can to not let race um, or bias or prejudice in any way affect what we do. Right. So how can organizations like Real All assist in this work and from your perspective? Well, you know, Riddle is such a fantastic organization. Um, just everything they do with regard to sustainability and those kinds of things. And they're always teaching, you know, they've always got these classes down here and stuff and teaching people and young people life lessons. And, you know, it's my firm belief that when people are learning lessons, especially life lessons, they're becoming better people. And when you make better people, you make a better world. And that's what Riddle does. If we had organizations like Riddle all over the world, it would be a much better world. Right. Not just from the sustainability standpoint, but from the life lessons that they are teaching people every day about sustainability and about being better pe people and about being healthier people. So it's, it's, it's a fantastic thing they do, and I just wish there was more of them. Awesome. Do you have any final thoughts or anything that we didn't ask you that you want to say or um, talk about? If, if, if you don't mind, I, you know, there are two things that uh, I always tell young people. Um, and one is the lesson that I learned from playing Little League Baseball. Uh, you don't know if you're going to hit a home run unless you swing the bat. But what you do know is that if you don't swing, you'll never get anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, so swing the bat. And I'm a walking billboard for that because um, before I became a U.S. district judge, I had applied for U.S. magistrate judge several times. Um, I was a finalist several times, but I was unsuccessful in getting a job. So fast forward to 2021, and I'd, I'd been at my job with the federal defender for 30 years, and I told my boss that I intended to retire at the end of the year. And no sooner did those words come out of my mouth than these judgeships opened up. And so one side of my mind was like, I'm ready to retire. You know, I ain't doing nothing else. Right? That's right. <laughs> the other side of my conscience was like, wait a minute, aren't you the dude just wanted to be a judge all your life? And now this opportunity is presenting itself and you're just going to quit? Mm -hmm. Really? And the other thing is, so I knew, let me just say, I knew that um, I had to, I had to swing the bat. I had to try. Because if I didn't, I'd have gone into retirement forever regretting the fact that I didn't and forever wondering what would have happened if I did. Absolutely. So I applied. Now, at that moment when I applied, if anybody had told me that a year from then I would be a federal judge for life, I would have fallen out laughing, right? But um, it happened. I was fortunate enough that I was recommended for nomination by the senators. Um, I was nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate. But the point is, is that that one swing of a bat changed the whole landscape of my career. And um, so you just, and the fact that I had not been successful 
uh, and becoming a magistrate didn't have any effect on that at all. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether you struck out yesterday, you know, and has, it's completely irrelevant as to whether or not you'll get a home run tomorrow. All you got to do is keep swinging the bat. The second thought, if I may, is that I'm also the poster child for the fact that, and I hope you don't mind me sounding a little religious here, but that God does what God does in God's time. Uh, when I was born, I was a problem pregnancy. Um, I I was killing my mother. The doctor said I was shoulder breach, placenta previa, and transverse lie, which meant I was turned around all the wrong way with the umbilical cord wrapped around me, and it caused the placenta to detach prematurely. And so my mother was going through intensive uh, internal bleeding, and I was I was killing her. And so they had to make a decision and they decided to um, take me out by cesarean section. And everybody in the room understood that I was going to die. I was two months premature. Uh, I only weighed three pounds. And it was understood. My parents understood that they were taking me out and I was going to die and she was going to live. But God had other plans. And the, but they had to put me in an incubator uh, for six weeks. Um, my situation became so dire they read the last rites over me. God had other plans. So, and I can go on and on about that, but I guess the bottom line is God does what God does in God's time. Um, if anybody had known at that time, and it doesn't matter whether you're talking about that little kid that everybody thought was going to die, mm -hmm. God had other plans for that kid, you know? And so I say that to you because it goes kind of hand in hand with the swing, the bat thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know what God's got in store for you, but what you do know, you keep swinging, and sooner or later, God's going to have a home run in store for you. So just keep swinging the bat. Are you writing a book or something? No, no, no. Oh. This is, I, you know, maybe I should. I don't know. But, but, but uh, you know, it's just, it's something I'd like to impart to young people because there's so many forces out here that make you want to say, you know what, I can't do it. Never mind. I quit. Mm -hmm. I quit. Mm -hmm. I could have said that, you know, when um, that the opportunity for this judgeship came open, I could have easily said to myself, you know what, man? I've tried for magistrate judge several times. I've been a finalist several times, but I never got the cigar. Mm. So why try again? If I couldn't be a magistrate judge, how am I going to be a U.S. district judge? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. never mind. I'm going to retire. Forget it. I could have easily said that, but I swung the bat. And when I swung the bat, I didn't know if God had a strikeout in store for me or a home run. But I wouldn't have known unless I swung the bat. And so, so it just kind of brings those two things into focus. Keep swinging the bat. And God does what God does in God's time. So, yeah. That is an awesome story. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for your time today. We appreciate you, and we'll be watching you. <laughs>